Hello everybody, welcome to episode 71 of the Agile Podcast. The podcast in a pub with two Agile coaches. That's me, Paul Goddard, and my good friend Jeff Watts. This podcast was about Halloween and all the things that make me and Jeff scared. And I can tell you, there's quite a few things that make me scared. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast with whoever your podcast provider might be. You can also leave us a review on iTunes because apparently that helps. And also, please just go out there and tell one of your Agile friends about the Agile podcast. Jeff and I want to get as many listeners as we can. Anyway, enough of me. Let's get on with the content. Play the jingle. Cheers, Cheers. Nice to see you again. Been a while. Yeah, that's actually. Yeah, apologies to our podcast subscribers. We um, maybe a failure bow is due. We've yeah, we've been a bit slack. Haven't well, we? not so much slack, but we we did fail in our recordings. We did have one due to go out, but yes, the quality was not high enough. Yes, didn't meet our definition done. We we asked various experts to come in and help us with it in post processing, but we couldn't get it to a point where it was releasable. Um, so to spare your ears, we decided that we wouldn't release it. Uh, but that meant obviously you went uh, a fortnight without an episode from us. So it's been a month um, since we last were on air. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but we're we're back with a vengeance, and it's uh, Halloween time. So I've got a pint of Wicked Witch. Nice. Which is a, it's quite dark. It is quite dark. Mm. Yeah. Uh, away from the IPAs. Um, and this is more of a it's not quite a stout it's, it's, it's more watery than a stout it's lighter than a stout but it's, it's a dark dark ale I would say um, my taste buds aren't great because I've got a bit of a cold at the moment yeah you sound like you've got a bit of a cold but it's, um, it's quite fruity in a way um, and I kind of associate spice with uh, late autumn yes. early winter uh, and I think it's, a, it's not really spicy, but there's an undercurrent of spice in there that you think, okay, that's a really diluted. Um, what's the word? It's like Christmas wine type of yeah, yeah. like yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's nice. It's, it's not fizzy at all. It's a little bit Ribena-ish in colour, actually. If you hold it up to the light. Mm. Black currant, that is, for our non-UK how about you? I've gone for um, a pint of Freak Show, very Halloween themed. Mm-hmm. But you seem to think I've had this before. I think either you or I have had it before. It's um, it's a Cotswold cider um, um, product, and it's 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 nice, cloudy, very cloudy, um, no fizz to it at all. I tell you what, here's an idea. Sorry to interrupt. If any, if we have had. Freak Show on the podcast before and anybody can tell us, the first person to tell us the episode that it was in, if they're right, we will send you an Agile Podcast t-shirt. <laughs> there, there you go. go. So, Cloudy. competition. Cloudy, um, flat. Um, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's not that strong, actually. It tastes, it doesn't t- hardly taste strong at all. It's got a bit of quite an agricultural taste. Hmm. 
Something like it's a bit, bit of dirty taste. Mm. Not 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 in a bad way, just in a bit more of a rough taste. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? No, I think I prefer something a bit cleaner, a bit crisper. Okay. You like the glass thing? Yes, yeah, so we've got, um, for the benefit of people who can't see the video, it's a uh, Cheltenham 2019 Real Ale Festival glass. It's specially printed for their, their, their festival. And we are in, I think this is, it's got the whole, it's got a pub on the glass as well. We're in the Sanford Park Ale House in Cheltenham. So we do like our real ale in Cheltenham. Um, and they have their festivals. Blue. This is a cider. <coughs> when was the festival, Jeff? Well, they had more than one. Doesn't say here. So I don't know which one it was. But given the fact that it's got a witch on there, I would say it was the... Must have been for the recent. <coughs> it was the, the half-term sort of Halloween-y festival rather yeah. than the spring one. So, yeah. Did you, did you get up too much for Halloween? Did you do, do you do Halloween? I do, yeah. I like I like getting dressed up for Halloween. You know, I, I go all out. Those of you will, uh, perhaps some of you will remember my costume from a couple of years ago. I actually gave a, a talk at a... That was in Dublin, wasn't it? In Dublin. That was in Dublin. Dressed as the Joker. Costume and makeup and but this wasn't teeth. this wasn't whacking Phoenix Joker. This <clears> was um, who was it? Who was the guy? J- Jared Leto. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I haven't seen the new one yet. Still. Yes. So um, no, it was uh, and, and my wife went as Harley Quinn. Uh, so that was our get up two years ago. This year I went as uh, a werewolf. So I had I had the eyes, the contact lenses, and the fake teeth stuck on teeth and. Um, How long will you make up this year? Uh, about an hour and a half, two hours. In the seat? Uh, on and off, so a bit of costume, a bit of makeup, a bit of hair. <laughs> yeah. It's good, I like it. And had, had a good night. Yeah. Good night. So yeah. this, was, this was, what was the best in show at that party you were at? What, was the, what would you say well, was, there was, there was the best some, costume you saw? There was a very, very good Freddy Krueger. Was that? Very good Freddy With Kruger. the rippled face. Yes. And yeah, I was stars. trying to think. He must be wearing something. It's not like a mask that you put on. It's almost. It was almost like he'd had it really? stuck onto his face. Really? Yeah. It was uh, skin tight. Oh. It was very very good. I think that's possibly my worst type of party I could ever go to. Oh, really? Why is oh. that? Well, you know me. I don't. I scare very easily. I don't that's like. True. I don't like anything. I don't like darkness too much. I don't mm. like suspense. Don't like that. Don't like being. But it was all out in the open. There was no sort of. Jump scares. Wasn't there? No. People hiding around corners. No, they were actors, live actors, but they were out in the open. They weren't. Did you ever go on a ghost training when you were a kid and there was people actually mm. in the. Yeah. I didn't like that either. No. That probably, that probably there's a deep rooted childhood memory in all this. Yeah. That's probably why I'm scared of monsters and mm. things like that and jump jumpiness. So it's not the masks as such? It's not. No, I don't think so. It's the, the threat. Mm-hmm. Of, of being made to feel <coughs> nervous. Mm. It's funny, isn't it, how fear is is something that we want to stay away from, but we're also drawn to. You know, we watch horror movies. Well, you do. I don't. Well, you do. Just with the <laughs> with the sound off and with subtitles. <laughs> that is all. true. That is true. I do watch horror movies with the sound off. And but we'll yeah we'll go on roller coasters and we'll go uh, to Halloween parties. So adrenaline, is it adrenaline? Is it a is it a hormonal thing? Yeah, probably. I don't know enough about it, the science of it, but I would say it's probably some kind of um, rush. Yes. Uh, also, I think possibly a you know, challenge thing. 
you know, that idea of challenging yourself, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Mm. Mm. I think human beings are naturally drawn to that. There's, there is a thrill to it. It's, it's, and it's possibly the forbidden as well. Mm. The dangerous. We don't, we don't, we do shy away from it, but we don't. We kind of yeah, invite it. Shock. Yeah. Um, I went to watch Bla the Blair Witch Project. Have you seen Bla Blair Witch? So this is when I was at university. Um, this must have been 98, 99, something like that. Okay. Went to watch it on Halloween. I think right. it came out at Halloween. Mm. Um, I think I sat through it. I was very brave, yeah. but my my girlfriend, now my wife, um, had to walk out. She couldn't sit there. She couldn't. She it was too much. It's not so. That's a different. That's not a slasher movie, is it? No, it's like it's, it's, Altry, it's just a it's a, and it's all the camera, the way it's shot, and the um, the home video nature mm. of it makes it a bit more. I suppose it makes it more potentially more real. You can put yourself into that yeah. position. You're, it's and in the first person, isn't it? You're yeah. seeing it as that person sees it. So you don't. You do. You take, you take on that emotion that the the, the people in that, in that, albeit fictitious movie, you mirror those emotions, mm. and you go through. That's a different type of horror, though, isn't it? That's a di like you say. It's not there to shock you. It's there to create a similar emotion in mm. you, and that's why people can't watch it. But they do, but they go knowing that it's going to happen. Yeah, knowing that, yeah, well, yeah, you don't know how it's going to end. But I think it's the relief at the end of it, isn't it? I suppose when, when, when it's over, you yeah. get that sort of different hormonal rush, don't you? That relaxing thing. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that. Fear. Uh, I know people, part of it is the cinematic thing about why would you go into that abandoned warehouse you know, why would you do that it's just yeah. silly but when you are scared you do make bad decisions mm. um, not rational decisions yeah and I think that's um, the, just trying to get away from the movies and back to work I suppose Yeah. teams that are scared people who are scared at work will make bad decisions Yeah. Uh, you can't I, uh, in my job as a coach I, I, I can't coach somebody if they're scared mm -hmm. if they're <clears throat> if they're in the, the fear zone, the stress zone, mm. the, their, their mind is not open to new possibilities. You have to get them comfortable before they, they can expand their thinking, before mm. they can take on an, an alternative perspective. Mm. Everything's very laser focused and black and white, right or wrong, you know, safe or dangerous, good or bad. Um, and that's, you know, as a coach, that's what I spend a lot of my time. Well, not a lot of my time, that's, that's not true, but uh, it does, I do need to focus on getting making sure that environment is safe for them to be coached in, whether mm. that's an individual, whether it's a team or what have you. You get scared at work? I still get a, a fear of, well, like tonight, I'm, I'm doing, so this will probably go out after I've done this, mm. but I'm, do, I'm doing some public speaking tonight. I'm yeah. going to a user group in Birmingham to talk about some um, storytelling stuff and that's fear of the unknown fear of being judged mm. fear of being not good enough mm. um, does it scare me? not in the same way the horror movies do but it's uh, yeah, my pulse rate will increase um, and a lot of those fears I, I, the way I calm myself down is to say well in reality probably not going to be as bad as you think and in this, this time tomorrow it will all be done it will all be over with and, uh, in the same way that you have um, fear before 
this is a, this is a supposition. I'm, 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 I'm intuiting this. So, horror movie, tension, tension, anxiety, 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 finishes. Oh, yeah. A kind of nice feeling. Yeah. Do you get a nice feeling after speaking at something yeah. like that? Yeah, a sense of um, relief and um, yeah, just that knowing that that stress, the stressful period has ended. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and then yeah, you've got that kind of. I suppose it's it's the same type. It's like, uh, musicians and and performers experience this, don't they? When they're on a stage, you imagine. I think we've talked about this before. As a performer going onto a stage in front of ten thousand people, mm-hmm. and then not being able to get to sleep because they can't bring that adrenaline level yeah. back down. Um, it does take me. Yeah, you know, there'll be a sense of a high after that. How long do you reckon that lasts? Oh, but not, <laughs> not very long. Half an hour, an hour. Okay. But then I've got to drive home afterwards. And again, just a driving will be a way to I me mean, to bring that back down to a level. Yeah. But then you think, and you, there's performers that go on stage, and it does play with your memory as well, because if you're constantly in that state, and there's a re- repetition of doing this, you tend to, it numbs your other senses. And I hear stories about these performers that go on stage and... and forget where they are because they've gone to, on tour mm-hmm. so many different venues concert venues different places but they completely forget which city they're in yeah say good morning or sorry good evening Newcastle and if they're in Sheffield or whatever it might be because didn't just, you too do that somebody did it somebody famous did it on stage and they got booed in Australia it. Was some, they got bottles of urine thrown at them or something yeah. it was some, some a big band did it because they've been touring to them yeah but that, that can happen it can play with you like your rational decision you mm. your, your rational mind but that's probably a fine line between tiredness and and, and adrenaline. Well, I think there's also monotony in there as well, isn't there? Yeah. You get that if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you can't really distinguish one from the other. Um, whereas you're not doing that monotonously. But I would say that. So I'm. I also struggle. People really don't believe me when I say this, but I struggle with the whole uh, performance anxiety thing. Still. Yeah. Still now, but Still, you've got, yeah. you've, got a, you've made big leaps on that. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, my, it's my biggest sense of personal achievement that I can do these things, but it still comes at a cost. Um, but what was I saying? The monotony. It's about monotony. Yeah. So there's an element of I, if I, if if I if I became so comfortable with it, mm. it would be boring. Mm. And the fact that I know I need to. Um, practice a new talk uh, share some new information go to a new crowd that pushes me and yeah alright it's stressful yeah but it gives me I have a different um, you, you, have a, you can have your burnout with over stress but you can also have your rust out can't you where it's just things are too easy yeah yeah and there's and so it runs interesting things. so I'm pushing out this, this talk that I'm doing tonight is largely new material so there's an added level of fear with that, that mm. I'm, I'm saying things that I might not have said in, in public before mm. or this material exercises whatever it might be a lot of a lot of speakers at a lot of conferences I've seen will literally roll out yeah. the same message and what I would say that's so it sounds like you said monotonous but there's an element that people go to a Billy Joel concert mm. Or a Rolling Stone, Rolling Stones concert. They yeah. don't want to hear new stuff. They want to hear the old they stuff. They want to hear the old stuff. Yeah, but we're not. 
they're not performing. People would sing along to us, don't they? Mm, really? I don't know. Do they? Do, do that's a good question. Do some conference goers go to conferences, and they'll see. I won't know names, but they'll, they'll see speakers say largely the same thing mm. because, and they just want to hear the, them say it. Maybe it's not, and that's. Uh, so I was doing some work with them. I, I was invited in to give a talk at uh, a large telecoms company recently at the launch of their product, internal product telecom. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I was talking to them about making decisions and influencing people, but generally just you know, learning about yourself as a product owner. Yeah. And saying that you get this, you should be, you should be a little bit stressed as a product owner. Yeah. Um, you should feel under a little bit of pressure because if you're not, you're not going to make anything great. Um, but this, what were you saying before that? I wanted a link to what you were saying. Oh, going and seeing the same thing. Same thing, but yeah. But um, one the of the things thing. I was talking to the product owners about is remember you're not your users. Mm. Because you know, we all have our own lenses that we see things through. We all have our own yeah. biases. Yeah. And assuming that everybody will use a product how I would use a product is a dangerous assumption to make. And it's something that I do a lot. And there's an example of it. I assume that people wouldn't go to a conference and want to hear the same thing. I assume that when somebody's seen me once before, they would not want to hear the same thing again. Mm. And that might not be true. Mm. And I put all that effort into creating something brand new, and that might not be what people want. Exactly, yeah. Um, which, and I also think that we tend, me and you certainly, I know that we do this, is that we maybe there's a, a false level of expectation that people have moved on. Mm. I mean, I still regularly go to run courses now where people haven't heard of the Agile Manifesto. Mm. 18 years in advance of when it was created yeah. so you you have to sometimes I have to scale back my own expectations that people don't know that stuff yet or they haven't heard that message or that speech yeah. yet or that, that metaphor yet there is a comfort in knowing what to expect a big comfort so if yeah. somebody's at a stage yes you on the stage yeah. and we're using I'm using the stage perhaps literally but also metaphorically here um, you on the stage there's a pressure to perform and an anxiety, but the people being presented to have anxiety as well. If you ever go to a comedy gig and the comedian on the stage is dying, mm. not literally Tommy Cooper-esque, but you know the, the jokes aren't landing, mm. that's an uncomfortable feeling for the crowd. Yes, um, and you know a musician that forgets their lines or something—that's mm. that's really uncomfortable for the crowd. And, you know, they paid their money; they want to enjoy it. They want to see what they want to see. So there's there's an element <laughs> of pressure there as well. Um, and so knowing what you're going to get and getting what you know you're going to get is a comforting experience. Yeah. Um, and we do a lot of work in helping people and teams and organisations change. And I, and I said to this product owner community, whether you like it or not, now, whether your job title tells you this or not, you are now a leader. You are a leader in new ways of working. You're a leader in, in how to build products and how to work and how to work with people. Mm -hmm. People are going to be paying attention to everything that you do and everything that you say. And if you you can provide a certain level of comfort and a certain level of security by being predictable. Yeah. You know, if if I, I know what I'm going to get, I know the kind of pool. Generally speaking, I know what I'm going to get with you. Yeah. But every now and again, you will need to act differently. Yeah. And that's that's okay, and it's needed. Mm. But that being that continuity and change mm. 
at the same time, mm. you know, meeting people where they are, one foot in, in point A and another mm. foot in point B, mm. right? that's, that's a, a way of helping people come along with you, not expecting them to make the leap yeah. to something brand new. Mm. It doesn't make any other bit that didn't really, that's a bit waffly, does that make no, sense? No, it doesn't make sense to me, yeah, absolutely. But um, I was going to say something else about monotony. You hear it a lot, don't you, about um, there's, there's a, a sort of complacency, cockiness, whatever you want to call it, expecting that things will always be as you've done them before. Mm. Or developers expecting that users will always use their system in the same way. But actually, how they designed it is different to the user experience that they've, mm. they've that's evolved. Um, you hear, but there's, there's some stories at a conference a few years back. I think I saw that about um, airline pilots that don't see because they're just they're in that rhythm of how to land a plane. Yeah. I think there was a situation where they just came in to land and they didn't realise there was another plane beneath them because not, they're not looking for it. They're okay. blind spots. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But because you get so used to doing things in a certain way, to practicing things a certain way, to singing the songs in the same way, that you actually get worse at doing the things that you should be mm. proficient at. Um, and it run, the other thing I was going to say is, you say about musicians on stage, Freddie Mercury, I think, famously said that some of the songs that the crowd loved the most were the songs that he hated the most. Okay. So imagine, try, again, you're trying to put on a good show mm. and you're trying to please the crowd with something that doesn't please you. Well, here's, here's something. So we've, we've come full circle. Yeah. Back to masks. Yeah. So literally, pretty, mar pretty Mercury didn't wear a mask. Oh. But he did. He was a very different person. Well, not, that's not true. He's... He, the media, he was out of the media spotlight when he wasn't on stage, largely. Didn't okay. enjoy the, the media attention. Um, but yeah, and the same thing, Charlie Chaplin was very similar in terms of he only became the character mm. when, by putting on that, the hat or the moustache, yeah. he couldn't, he, he was, I think he even quoted, he couldn't think like Charlie Chaplin until he put that mask on. Mm. Um, Keith Lemon with the, the bandage mm -hmm. his alternative his, his real life what's the name for that, that? is it a crutch is it, is it a prop what's, what's the I don't know because it's, it's it's a metaphorical mask isn't it it's a, it's a symbol yeah it's, it's a physical symbol yeah so it allows you to it gives you permission or a, some kind of anchor I suppose to, to get into that character so I, can't, I used to do that to a degree when I used to work from home at BT I used to wear a suit and tie. Well, sometimes, Did you? because it would get me into a completely different mindset. Because if I got up and I was just, I just threw a t-shirt and shorts on or something, I'd still be kind of slack. Yeah. Which, in some cases, is a good thing because I can be more creative, perhaps. Perhaps more feel more, more relaxed and you know, free flowing. But if I, if I wanted to be more formal, more disciplined, then actually the clothes that I wore would have an impact. Yeah. So will you be? When you're, when you're talking tonight, will you be wearing a metaphorical mask? I'll be wearing this. Or will you be... <laughs> um, will you be putting on a show for the audience? If, yeah, interesting. So, if you asked Sabrina, mm -hmm. my wife, she would say um, it's, she can instinctively spot it when I'm in work mode. You're right. I personally, maybe I don't spot it as much or consciously do it as much. Maybe because I'm doing it more often. I don't know, but... Um, 
cl- those closest to me would would probably say they can tell when I'm I do have a different persona I suppose mm. um, and that like that is we've talked about this before that's exhausting mm. to maintain two different personas mm. um, be it in work or be it even in person people we know friends of, our, of ours that we feel operate in a different fashion in front of their friends compared to how they do at home yeah. you know it's, it's, um, it is exhausting well I, I think that's relevant in many ways but one in particular is when, you, when you're bringing together a team that have to work like directly consciously collaborate with people I, I always used to joke about I'd rather have someone who can play nicely with others than the most talented person in the playground. Mm. But playing nicely with others takes effort. Yeah. Um, so are we asking people to to use this metaphor of wearing a mask to be part of a team? Are we asking them to be themselves? I think, I think you, you probably have to be mindful of wearing it at different times and, and almost giving people, I think, permission to wear it. So it's the introvert, extrovert. So, so you're expecting people to speak up or to be creative in a planning session, for instance. You might want to give people permission to wear a mask, metaphorically, to be someone else, to speak as someone else, to... Um, be more confident or more comfortable than they perhaps would ordinarily be but then they need to be able to retreat into that space afterwards that's a safety thing that's a pushing people outside of the safety but then being able to retreat back into it so I've asked my team of peer reviewers so for, for my team mastery group that I'm writing at the moment I've got a team of people who have volunteered to be peer reviewers yeah. and I've asked them to to take on different personas when reviewing okay. the work. So yeah. there are five different personas I've asked them to, to adopt, they can choose which ones they want to do. Uh, so the first one I've called the tube inspector, which is where they have to go through and mind the gap. So constantly looking for gaps, either in the narrative, or you know, this doesn't, there's a bit of a jump from here to okay. here, let's see how you got yeah. there. Um, or you know, this, this is this missing some theory or some evidence or something. Um, so there's the professor, there's the researcher, there's the connector. Um, finding links and things and then there's the one which people have jumped on the most which is the destroyer oh yeah so uh, I said you know when when you're in this persona I want you to find all the reasons why somebody who wouldn't wouldn't like this book would use to shoot it down and say this is is why this book's terrible yeah and people have loved that and they've apologised for it Times. So I'm really sorry I got carried away with this one. Yeah, that's interesting. Isn't it? But they've also been talking about it in the third person. So when they've um, been adding some comments to the to the Trello card ah, okay. or in the Slack channel, they've been saying the destroyer said this, and that's the destroyer was in a bit of a bitchy mood today. Yeah, and something like that. So they've been distancing it from themselves, which gives them permission to be mm. nasty. Um, but I think that's a safety amongst. There's probably a lack of safety amongst other reviews. So can all the other reviews see those comments? Yeah. And obviously you can see them. So there's probably a, um, instead of saying I think, that, that persona gives them that permission mm. to say perhaps what they wouldn't want you to know that they'd said, even yeah. though you do know that you said that they, yeah, they've yeah. said it. 
and you can read between the lines. You know mm -hmm. that that's what they really think, and they probably know that you think that. <laughs> so that's the bizarre thing is that 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 persona kind of gives you a level of abstraction. Yeah, but that's enough. Mm. In, I was arguing stronger teams that I've seen, more mature teams, they own that level of feedback. Mm -hmm. And they know that that personality, almost we expect that. And there's people we've worked with in the same teams that we know, and they're happy to admit that they play that role. That's their natural default. Mm. They, they defer to that they've got that destructive habit. It's cynical. Yeah, it's cynical. Yeah, it can, if, it's, if it's constant, you can become labelled as the cynical one. Mm. But it can be very useful, and sometimes it's like we've said before. It's very easy, and it's it's an, an easy introduction to rather than thinking creatively to think destructively, destructively first. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I was quite. I tried to position it really as as safely as I could. You know, I said to them, "I've I've done this before. I've I've had I've had people rip my books to shreds in the past." It brings me to tears, but I know it's, yeah. ne it's needed, right? Yeah. So rest assured that I will be looking at this with my big boy pants on. <laughs> um, and I'd much rather have that yeah. than release something that hasn't gone through that level of scrutiny. So they're yeah. providing me a really valuable service. Yeah. Um, you know, I would rather receive that feedback from a safe audience than the wider world. Yeah. And I can't change it. Mm. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it, of all the five personas, that's the one that people have jumped it's on. The, the easiest most. one. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, the most popular one. Maybe not the easiest, but certainly. We, I mean, we do. I think, I think there's also an engineering element to this as well, is that we do like to see the problems in things. Well, it's easier to, isn't it? It's easier to say why well, something won't work than to, to come up with a viable solution yeah. that will work. It's easier to, to chip away at and list all the things that could be wrong rather than what could be right. Mm. Yeah. Is there any other links between Halloween and Agile? I think, let's say, let's talk about my wife. I always talk about my wife. She, my, Sabrina doesn't, doesn't want to. Um, there's some interesting conversations around Halloween. She doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to be associated with it. Okay, because of its pagan because of history. Its, largely because of its history. Um, and some of the friends we spoke to said uh, didn't agree with it again because they, they described it as pretty much begging yeah you're, you're walking the streets begging people for sweets yeah so they don't agree with it from that point of view not from a historical point of view but again it's a, it's a, it's a, it reminds me of this whole thing around the ag the agility the snake oil whole thing thinking mm -hmm. that people I'm, I'm pretty sure I mean I speak to one of my good friends who did some training last week um, he said he was accused, in not so many words, of being a snake oil salesman, okay. saying this is this is this can't be right. You're pushing us stuff down here, something that evangelising about something mm. that, that I don't believe in, fundamentally don't believe in. And I still think, even even now, 18 years on, that that is still out there. The perception that me and you as a salesman. Mm. And, and, and well, well in, 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 the, in the US, in the, in the, in the USA, Halloween is big, it's big money, isn't it? Halloween's massive. Costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Commer uh, the commercial element of it is it's as big as Thanksgiving, would you say, in terms of its popularity? I genuinely don't know. It's enormous. But there's a lot of money in it. Mm -hmm. People could say the same thing about Agile. 
but so I'm focusing on a little bit of the positives here. The um, one of the interesting things. So we're, we're not a particularly strong community where I live. Mm. We don't really know each other that well. We don't spend a lot of time because it's quite a transient neighbourhood. So people right. will stay there for a couple of years and then leave. Yeah. Um, and so we don't really know our neighbours that well. But I think most people think there's not really much point because people aren't going to be there for. And we've been there for eleven years. I mean, some people will be, but most of them not. Um, and we found it an opportunity to get to talk to some of these people as they were coming around, bringing their kids around. And, um, it was it was a nice social mm. aspect, even though I know, our kids are different ages and things. It was it was kind of a leveller mm. in many ways because mm. every, every everyone likes sweets yeah. or yeah. fruit, common ground, yeah. Um, and I, I've I've heard the begging thing before. I, I don't I don't get it because people are expecting it and mm. it's 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 part of the fun you know people are expecting it I think. so this is something I mean we took our kids I took my kids out trick or treating because we wouldn't do it um, so you say about acceptance and agreement up front mm. and I didn't realise this is a thing perhaps because I haven't been trick or treating for a while but um, pumpkins outside the door basically is acceptance that's kind of this kind of mm around our neighbourhood in terms of... You can of, opt in. Yeah, so mm. we're saying we're happy to accept trick-or-treaters yes. if we've got these out the door. Mm. And we that wasn't written down anyway on a Facebook page for us to check. That was something we worked out as we went. Okay. Well, I remember about five or six years ago there was an introduction of a sign that you could print off. So right. It was distributed throughout the country. If you don't want trick-or-treaters, print this off and stick, stick it on your door. Because um, before that, people would just try and leave their wind, leave their lights off, Cla- yeah. the curtains closed, and sit in darkness. Yeah, so they, they yeah. no one's in, kind yeah. of thing. Um, but I think that the whole trick thing has fallen by the wayside. Oh, absolutely. We yeah. did, years ago, we did have our house egged. I don't know why, because we were still <laughs> giving out treats. Just because they'd run out of people. Maybe they just run out of people to throw eggs out. It was an opportunity to throw some eggs. But yeah, you don't. That, really my kids uh, weren't. They just wanted the treats. They weren't prepared. If anyone had said trick. My kids would have known, well, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a night we are running out of time, sorry, but um, so I went trick or treating with the kids, and just to show you the level of commitment that some of the people in my neighbourhood went to, we went to walk down one street, and there was a, a toddler just in front of us who was mm. doing a few houses ahead, so they were, we were kind of following them to a degree. And they walk up to a door, and all we heard all of a sudden was boom! Really loud. Uh, of course, it was quiet at the time, they hear a lot. And there was um, the owner of the house, the dad of the child who lives in the house, had dressed up as a bush. (laughs) No joke. He had sat, he'd positioned a chair just right by his front doorstep where the kids would come right up next to him. He had completely covered himself in greenery and foliage, immersed and kind of got into a small, kind of a small ball. And as soon as the child, and this poor kid, who had been four or five years old, Was, and if that was me, about the whole thing about being scared by horror movies, I would have probably punched him in the face. It absolutely scared the bejesus out of this toddler. But this dad, and I said to him, why are, you, why are you doing this? He said, well, I don't get to do it once a year. <laughs> so he genuinely enjoyed the whole mm. spooky, jumpy suspense, yeah. the thrill. He, did, he loved that, the scary element of it. I'd say, well, he was probably scared as a youngster, now he's taking it out. <laughs> yeah. the next generation. There's a deep-rooted childhood story behind that. But yeah, brilliant. Dedication to the um, to the fancy dress. Dressed as a bush. Scared the bejesus out of me, honestly. All right, well, um, I think that, that 
brings, it, brings it to a close. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> uh, until next time. hi there i hope you enjoyed that last episode amazingly we've been going for three years now And over those three years, we've been blown away by how many people have messaged us to tell us how it's been useful to them and how they've been getting value from it. Some have even said, we'd love to be able to buy you a pint sometime when you're in our area. Well, we're often not in people's area and we often don't know when we're going to be where we're going to be. So that's not been very easy for people to do until now. Over the years, we've also turned down repeatedly offers of sponsorship and product endorsement from companies, basically because we don't really believe that's what you'd want us to do. It's been a labour of love and we do it because we enjoy it, but we also get those messages that tell us that you enjoy it as well. So what we've decided to do is give people the opportunity to virtually buy us a pint. It's completely optional, but what we've done is we've set up a Patreon account where you can, if you want to, donate whatever you want. If you do, then we'll buy a pint in your honour and we'll toast you. Maybe we'll even invest in enhancing the kit so the quality of the podcasts go up over time. Maybe we'll also buy some advertising to reach more people and hopefully help more people. Like I said, it's completely optional. But if you do enjoy and get value from what we do and would like to buy us a virtual pint to show your appreciation for that, then you now have an opportunity. It's at patreon.com slash theagilepubcast. Cheers. <laughs>